This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer. The General. Sean McClain. Welcome. Welcome to Utopia. We do not want this season to end. The Houston Texans... Uh, they trounced the Cleveland Browns today in the wild card round of the playoffs. An unexpected blowout. I don't know that a win by the Texans was necessarily unexpected, but the way in which they won, I think, surprised everybody in that building, and it was great to see. Hello, everyone. I am Sean Pendergast, uh, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610, and this is the uh, the wild card round follow-up to today's victory uh, by the Texans over the Browns. Um, Saturday night is while we're recording this. I'm still at the stadium. John's at home. John was here today for the, uh, for the, for the game. Of course, the John I'm talking about is my good friend, the hall of famer and our senior columnist at sports radio, 610.com. John McClain, John, I'm still delirious from all this today. I cannot believe the way that game played out over at energy stadium. I still got to do my report card and a column. And, uh, there's so many great facts that happened in this game. I don't know how I'm going to decide which ones to put on and which ones to put low. Truth is, I don't know why anybody paying attention to us. We both picked the Browns to win the game. Never have I been so glad to be wrong, and I'm sure you feel the same way. But I thought, based on the way Joe Flacco has been so good in the playoffs throughout his career, uh, that and their great defense, and the Texans spoiled both. You know, Flacco, all those interceptions caught up to him finally. They led the league in turnovers, led the league in interceptions this season. They were I can't remember what they were in t- plus minus differential way minus while the Texans are plus 10. And, uh, and I don't know that I've ever seen back to back pick sixes and certainly any that I've covered. So it was exciting. The stands were full. There weren't that many Browns fans, Texans fans finally used their tickets and it was just an electrifying atmosphere beginning with, where you guys were set up, you and Seth to do the pregame show. It was there was such a buzz outside because as I was walking in after I did the show with you guys, just people were just pumped about the game. And wouldn't it be great if they could somehow the the things would align where they could host another one because people would be hysterical. Yeah, well, as you and I are recording this, the Dolphins are doing the Texans no favors in that front. So um, so I'm not going to hold my breath on that. It looks like it would appear as though the Texans are going to be going on the road somewhere uh, to play in the next round of the playoffs. Hey, they are so far beyond what anybody thought they were going to do coming into the season that they, they are now guaranteed to be one of the last eight teams standing is just incredible. Kudos to D'Amico Ryans. Um, CJ Stroud was awesome for a half. That's all he needed to be. Uh, cause the defense took over in the second half of this football game. And, um, 
and and John, yeah, like I, they're they're a dangerous, dangerous football team right now. I can't imagine being the the Ravens or the Bills or the Chiefs and looking at C.J. Stroud playing, going, man, this guy could do to us what he he just did it to the best defense in football. Now, granted, any of those places you're going to be dealing with the outdoors and the elements and things like that. But C.J. played at Ohio State; he didn't play at UCLA. Um, so um, this is uh, this is just I, you're right. The excitement was so palpable not just in the building, but around the building today, in the parking lot, tailgates, everybody. Um, we really seem to be, uh, I mean, I hesitate to say, but I think I feel like all the way back, the connection with the fan base to where we were at pre-Bill O'Brien. Like, it felt like those levels today to me. And this would be a good time to pay tribute to Lovey Smith for going for two, beating the Colts, Losing the Bryce Young pick and getting C.J. Stroud, I was thinking about. I think I may have tweeted that. But this feels like, and I know it's not baseball season, and baseball season cranks up in February, but for the longest time, this is a football town. It doesn't matter what the Astros did, but the Astros have been so good over the last seven years. And the Texans, even when they were winning, were unpopular because of Bill O'Brien mm-hmm. and then Jack Easterby and all the controversy the McNair family has had to weather. And we became a baseball town. It just feels like these last two weeks that we're getting to be a football town again. It wouldn't bother me at all if people go, man, that's a great sports town. They got a great baseball team, great football team, and a great basketball team. Yeah, that's I, yeah. I'm I'm not somebody who who tries to – stack rank them or anything like that. I, I hope they all win. I know there are fans that it, it, it does feel like that sometimes. And I think maybe O'Brien had something to do with that. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because we have this big wind to break down and whatnot. But it it does feel like sometimes fans here in Houston that there are fans fans that are primarily baseball fans almost like you know denigrate the Texans because you know that you're competing amongst your own your own city and whatnot. I hate that. I wish everybody would just root for all three teams. Um, but tonight, who cares? There's a lot of people rooting for the Houston Texans now, John, both in Houston. And I would guess probably people who don't have a, a dog in the fight, you know, in the NFL, if you're looking for an underdog to root for, um, the Texans are a damn good story. And D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud are two very easy guys to uh, to root for. If you're just a neutral fan who's looking to back somebody in the postseason, the Texans feel like a uh, like a pretty good team to do that with. Um, so uh, so we'll we'll find out. John, we're not going to find out until Monday what the situation is for the Texans next weekend because we just had Buffalo and Pittsburgh moved because of the huge snowstorm uh, moved from Sunday to Monday afternoon. So we're going to have to wait around for a little bit here. I like that just because as a fan, you get to watch you get to watch another day of games and you're going to have two instead of one. And uh, I think that's, that's even more exciting right now. Texans earn so much respect. They had more national media today than they've had any time since 2019 when they played in Kansas City in the divisional round. I talked to Peter King, Judy Batista from the NFL Network, NFL.com, Omar Ruiz, Ruiz from ESPN. He and Judy sat next to me and and just listening to them talk about Stroud and D'Amico and the Texans. There's going to be a lot of great things written about them, and they deserve it. 45-14 to 14, uh, to score, what, 31 unanswered points? 31 unanswered, yeah. It was, it was 14 to – well, no, it was 14 to 10. Uh, they, the buff, uh, Cleveland took 35. the lead 14 to 10. So 35 unanswered points. And I, I just, it blows me away that they were able to do that, but the way they did it with both sides, special teams were really good. Again, Cam Johnston did a good, another great job. They didn't need Kami Fairbairn, but the returns were good. It was just, 
You know, they always talk about complimentary football, and that's a cliche, but, man, they did. All three areas contributed, and I wish they'd have been able to throw the ball more in the second half. I wanted to watch Stroud throw more. Can you imagine if he had not overthrown uh, Nico, Nico Collins on that yeah. deep when he'd ended yeah. up? What, what, how long would that have been? That was it had to be at least 60 yards, right? I mean, and it was – Nico would have had 140 or yeah. 50 yards, and Stroud would have been close to 350. And the thing that impressed me the most, Sean, we're talking about the Browns, number one defense in the NFL. Yeah. And uh, and Laramie Tunsil, at one point when he hurt his knee, I thought he was trying to fix his kneecap. He kept reaching for his knee, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's gone. And he came back. He had a great game against Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett barely showed up. And the last, the, the voting for all the awards, and people don't realize this, Kevin Stefanski is going to win Coach of the Year, and people here go, "Oh, how could they take Stefanski to beat him? D'Amico beat him." But the voting was for regular season, and everything I've seen is Stefanski first, and D'Amico a close second. But D'Amico will take that victory and let Stefanski have that award any day of the week. And the offensive line was fabulous. Not only was he not sacked, Sean, they only hit him one time. Yeah. One yeah, time. That one is time. amazing. Yeah, he he was uh he he didn't get sacked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John, and this is probably, you know what, let's go ahead and do four stock up and four stock down because this, you know, we're starting to dip into specific territory with, with, with respect to this game. It was, I'll say this in general, and then we'll probably get into this in more specifics in stock up and stock down. That was by far the cleanest game they played all year in terms of just executing, which Very is amazing. Penalties, 20 yards. Yeah. Like when you think back to what three weeks ago looked like against the Browns and it might've been. That might have been their sloppiest performance of of the year, you know, in breakdowns and coverages and penalties and everything else. Um, getting guys like CJ Stroud back certainly flips the script a little bit, but just they were no turnovers, no sacks, really two penalties because one of the penalties was a delay a game on a punt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that they were back, you know, they were trying to move further back to to give Cam Johnson a little more room. Um, so let's get to four stock up and four stock down for this game, John, a 45 to 14, really an historic win for the Texans in so much as this is the biggest blowout victory that they've had as a franchise. I've only had four victories in the playoffs before this, but this was this was the most dominant of any of the victories on the scoreboard. John, who is first up for you on stock up, stock down? We need about eight up and eight. Well, we need – how are we going to come up with four stock down? We'll figure it out. I may start mixing I, – I might I, – honestly, I'm not even joking. I might just use the Cleveland Browns for a few of the stock downs. Because <laughs> we got because I do think we need to touch on the Flacco story here at some point because that's been a huge story. So I'm going to save a stock down for Joe Flacco. Spoiler alert. But let's do stock up first. Okay, usually I try to buy, buy, bypass Stroud because we could say him almost every game. But he yeah. – Became the youngest quarterback to ever win a playoff game. He is the highest drafted quarterback to ever win a playoff game. And and he looked like he could have thrown for 400 yards. He ended up 
16 of 21, 274 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks, hit one time, and his rating was what, 157? Yeah, something that like was that. Against I mean, the defense that had given up 270.2 yards. Texas had 356, and, and then they given up 164.7 passing, and he had 274, so he had more than 100 than they usually give up. So I say C.J. Stroud because, man, was he good. John, he had 236 at the half. <laughs> he averaged 13 yards in attempt, John. He averaged 13 yards in attempt, and he missed a bomb to Nico Collins that you brought up earlier, and Dalton Schultz dropped what would have been probably a 25-yard well, Those are good run. stock downs. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, All right, what's your first one? My first stock up is Christian Harris. We had him on the post-game show today, and he was outstanding, and he's been outstanding since the middle of this season. Um, but he did everything today. The pick six to really put the game well, well out of reach. Um, had a sack after that. Had a couple TFLs. And, and I say this about Christian Harris when we bring him up all the time too, John. He's just – become so technically sound he's such a good solid tackler for this team a team that's really struggled tackling at times over the last couple of years Christian Harris has turned into one of their most reliable tacklers reliable football players um he's and a nice young piece from these last two draft classes that they've had the 2022 and the 2023 draft classes Christian Harris third round pick from that 2022 class has really evolved into an impact player for the Houston Texans and so he is my first stock up Mine's going to be the corners. Steven Nelson had a pick six. He also knocked down three passes. And the other one's Derek Stingley Jr. I wasn't paying attention, but D'Amico said after the game, the job he did on Amari Cooper. Cooper last game, 11 for 265 and two touchdowns. In this game, Cooper had four catches for 59 yards in the second half when they needed to come back. He had two for 26, and D'Amico credited uh, Derek Stingley Jr. for doing that. So a great game. Uh, Stingley has just voted uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Month, and he could just add this performance to his trophy case. He, um, I saw the numbers, John. He, he, they moved him around. Unlike every other game this year, where Stingley just plays on one side of the field, they did have him follow uh, Amari Cooper for a big chunk of the game. He wound up covering Amari Cooper on eighty percent of the snaps that Cooper was out there for. None of the four catches for 59 yards that Amari Cooper had came while Stingley was covering him. Wow. He didn't get any catches while Stingley was on him. So wow. Stingley is, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know all the Jets people are going to be like, yeah, he ain't sauce, he ain't sauce, to which I would say, oh, how'd he do tonight? How did Sauce Gardner do tonight? <laughs> I didn't look. I didn't check to see how <laughs> Sauce Gardner performed this evening. Okay, cool. Um Stingley Stingley's been outstanding, John. He's been so good. I'm 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 so happy for him, and I'm happy for Nick Casario that that pick is starting to work out, because uh, that was a big one. Especially when you consider the Kenyon Green pick is really not working out right now. Those two first round picks um, from back in in uh, in 2022. Um, I'm going to give a stock up, John. This is going to be uh, kind of an under the radar one because we could do Nico Collins again. He was great. Devin Singletary had a nice game. I'm going to do a stock up for John Mechie in this game. John Mechie, yes. it was his best game by far on the, I believe it was the first touchdown drive um, where De Devin Singletary had the long run uh, to the right side there, which was followed up by a catch by Mechie on the very next play. On Devin Singletary's run, Mechie had a really, really good block on that play. He did. And then, and then the very next play, 
He gets open downfield along the sideline, did a great job of getting both his feet down uh, and making a catch there. He had a couple other plays, had a, had an end around for nine yards in the game, had a couple more catches, if I'm not mistaken, in this game. He, he finished with at least a couple of catches, so he, he got his hands on the ball. He had the one carry for nine yards, and Mechie also had three catches for 44 yards. Um, that's going to be huge, John, because it looks like, if I had to guess, I'm thinking Noah Brown's season is over. He was already coming into tonight's game or today's game with uh, with multiple injuries, and now he's got a shoulder to add to all these other injuries. Um, it just feels like Noah Brown's been a little snake bit over the last half of the season. And if he's going to be out, John Mechie stepping up and making progress like he did today is going to be essential to them continuing to compete with the heavyweights. Uh, I thought that was great because yeah. he's inspiration for everybody, of course. And, you know, it it built up his conference, confidence as well because he needed that. Now yep. he's got a chance to do it again. Absolutely. I got a couple of bonus ones we need to point out. Sure, okay. How often do you have tight ends who average 56.5 yards per catch? Uh, I Let me look back through my dossier <laughs> here and see if I, I found it zero times, John. Isn't that I, yeah. amazing? Brevin Jordan, 76. He ran like a wide receiver. Schultz, 37. Both touchdowns. Great performance by those two. And that's all the catches they had. And they were they were tremendous plays and uh, figured prominently. Brevin's was like a igniter. And yeah. uh, so that was, that, that was one of the biggest plays of the game. Now, they may have made a bunch more. But man, he 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 put a lot into that offense and got the crowd into it, and it was an incredible run. Well, they that that was an answer, John. They, I mean, because Cleveland had just scored to go up fourteen to ten, so the Texans punched back right away, you know. And it was one big play like that. Thought he made a great cutback to the inside. You know, a lot of times guys will just run out of bounds there and take their fifteen or eighteen yards, whatever it was. But he had the good sense to cut back in, and then all of a sudden it just opened up for him there. And then once he got a few steps on that guy. I'm like, he's going to go all the way because there's no way that you're going to get dragged down from behind by a linebacker if you're Brevin Jordan. So yeah, I'm with you. That was that was uh, that was great to see. Did you have? Is that your? Was that well, your? One more. Did, I was say just the yeah. entire offensive line led by yeah. Larry Tunsil. You know, Tunsil wants to be first team All Pro, and the voting was over this week. And I bet you a lot of people that didn't think about voting him to the All Pro team and the Pro Bowls, not the All Pro team will think twice about it because he was tremendous on Miles Garrett. Cleveland people were talking about after, man, Tunsil worked over Garrett. And just the offensive line, much maligned offensive line, uh, even Devin Singletary, he averaged 5.1 yards carrying. If he hadn't had that 23-yard run called back because of all on Shaq Mason, his stats would have been even better. But the offensive line should take a bow. Yeah, absolutely. All right, John, stock down. You ready? Uh, let's see. Uh, yes. Okay. Go, <laughs> go ahead, John. What's your first thing? Well, now? let's see. Dalton Schultz had a pass go through his hands. Yeah. What was the other one we mentioned a while ago? Somebody Nico, oh, Nico well, getting overthrown. Yeah. I'll say I got, okay. CJ Stroud. Since stock I took him for enough stock down, he had wide open Nico Collins and he couldn't connect. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like our expectation now is like that CJ should just be connecting on these 60 yard bombs. Like to be perfect. Yeah. 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 So that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So I, I, someone had said that Nico may have stumbled towards the end of that play. I got to go back and watch it on the TV copy. They said maybe he kind of lost his footing a little bit. I don't know. I just know it looked like a walk-in touchdown that we missed on that opportunity right there. He threw that ball. I think somebody said 
from where he was standing to where it landed, like 66 yards so effortlessly. Like that one, was it to Mechie, where he floated it high? Looked like somebody was using a wedge to... No, it was uh, that was it to Xavier Hutchinson. Hutchinson, yes. That was such a pretty pass. I'll guarantee you there's not a lot of quarterbacks can make that play. John, how about the check down to Hutchinson from all the way on the far hash? Yeah, yeah, that was another great one. Like, it's, I mean, it's... It shows up in the box score as like a you know a six yard catch or something like that because Hutchinson catches it and turns up field and goes and gets a few yards, but CJ's like leaning backwards and throws a, like it's like a laser across the field to Hutchinson and I, I'm looking at Seth Payne and I'm going man do people realize how hard a throw that is he just made like it, it, it's he's the arm talent on CJ Stroud is something else man like, nobody is, was talking about that before the draft they was talking about his accuracy his s2 scores yeah. but nobody said man CJ Stroud's got a great arm yeah like a, just a rocket i mean th- that was a laser that he threw to um to Xavier Hutchinson um John my stock down is going to be um and this is where i've got to color outside the lines John cuz we don't have many texans we can really criticize they won 45 <laughs> to 14 today my stock down is for Deshaun Watson and who had to be looking across the field. He was on the sideline today. What do you think was going through Deshaun Watson's head as that stadium was exploding time after time after time uh, as his former team was destroying his current team and as the Texans faithful were mockingly barking after every touchdown that the Texans scored, impersonating the Browns fans? Deshaun, there had to be part of Deshaun that was looking around going, God, I may have messed up. <laughs> I mean, after the up. game, he and CJ were hugging. You know, they know each other. They got the same age as David Mulligetta from Austin. But I'm thinking, okay, is he thinking now I don't have to worry about Flacco anymore? Uh, or Yeah, is, that's, we'll get to that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking that maybe because even though they everybody said they're not bringing Flacco back for they win the Super Bowl because of Watson. But uh, I'm guarantee you with the crowd and, uh, and the way they played, I bet there was a little nostalgia for him going back to the two, January of 2020 when he made the great play to beat Buffalo, yep. and then they blew that 24-0 lead. Now, the Browns may be great next year, but all they remember about him is he only played well one half. It was his last half. They won in Baltimore, and that's what people are talking about. Oh, man, he was great in that last half, but yeah. he's given no indication since he's been in Cleveland that he's still got what he had here. Yep, agreed. Um, all right, John, what's your next stock down? Well, let's see. I used Stroud. I guess I could uh, – um, um, let's see. Uh, well, I guess I'll say Dalton Schultz let a pass go right through his hand. Okay, there you go. That's the first time I can remember him dropping a pass all year, and I thought, man. Uh, oh, I got another one. Okay. Settling for a field goal for Kaimi Fairbairn after having a first down on the three – and I tweeted, that's going to come back and bite them in the butt. And yeah. the next time I said, it bit them in the butt because now they're losing. Yeah. It really turned you know out what? to bite. Yeah, what? I got another one. I'm picking myself because I picked the Texans to lose by four. I'm yes. picking the host, the two hosts of the Utopia Football Podcast. You're stocks p- down because both of them picked the Browns. You just picked me and you for stock down for this podcast. Yep, I did. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I, I'll wear that one. I I picked the Browns and then literally said the next sentence. I hope I'm wrong. I'm I'm literally picking them because I've been so bad at picking. I got yeah, so you many. Were texts trying to people. help them, you didn't want to. Jinx I was. I was. I totally was. I got so many texts from people like, um, I, I will pay you to pick the Ravens next week. <laughs> you know, like I, 
and, and truth be told, I'm probably going to pick the like, you know, unlike this week, that might be my actual opinion is that the Ravens are legitimately better than the Texans. So um, after the game, after D'Amico talked, he goes in and does his interview with Greg Bailey from 13 in a private right. room. And I wait out there to, I wanted to shake his hand and congratulate him. Cause you know, I've known him since the day after he was drafted and, and have stayed in touch. Mm-hmm. And so I was so happy for him and it, he and his family and everything. But while we were waiting, a security guard said, didn't you pick uh, us to lose? I said, yep, 24-20. He said, who are you picking tomorrow? I need to bet on the other team. Fade him. I got to fade McLean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. John, my last stock down is Joe Flacco, who was a fun story for about five weeks. But yet people, it seems like, had forgotten the fact that even though he was piling up all these yards and the Browns were winning football games, he was still turning the ball over a lot like a lot, lot, like eight interceptions in five games. Like that's on pace to be about a 25 interception season. If he were to, you know, if he had played all year long and kept that pace up, Um, he had four fumbles this season at any point. Now he didn't fumble today. I thought it was interesting that in the first game between these two teams, he threw two interceptions, but they were about as benign an interception as you could have. One was basically an arm punt. And the other one was literally the last play of the first half, trying to get a touchdown on fourth down because they didn't have a kicker. Uh, the Browns. So they're thrown into the end zone on the last play and Stingley intercepts him. This was the total opposite. This couldn't have been worse. You know, this is where you're trying to drive to make it a one score game and you throw a pick six to Steven Nelson. And in the very next series, you throw a pick six to Christian Harris. So that just goes to show you like two interceptions can show up in the box score, but they can be very, very different in terms of impact. Joe Flacco turned back into a pumpkin tonight. He the, Look, He's never made a Pro Bowl in his career. He's been around forever. He's never been to a Pro Bowl. And I'm not saying the Pro Bowl is the end-all and be-all, but at some point, if you've been in the league for 16 years, if we're going to have arguments about how good you are, you have to have made at least one, especially when back in the day when there was an actual Pro Bowl, usually like four or five quarterbacks would back the hell out of it and open up spots for guys like Joe Flacco and David Garrard and and, and everybody else. Um, I just don't th- – I've never thought Flacco was all that good other than that one postseason – where he, you know, tore through all of football and won MVP of the Super Bowl. This was the performance from Flacco that I've been waiting for, and um, and I'm glad that we got it. Now the Joe Flacco story can die a nice little death, and he can be a backup quarterback somewhere next year. If the Texans, um, if because the Chiefs, as we record this, are getting defeated, so if Pittsburgh Chiefs are really- getting defeated right now. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Chiefs are winning right now. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if uh, Pittsburgh beats Buffalo, and I don't think they will, but if they do, that means Pittsburgh goes to Baltimore and Texans go to Kansas City. Yeah, that's correct. Which would you rather see? Texans play the Bills or the Chiefs? I'd rather see the Chiefs and Chiefs. It's, it's it's not even close. Chiefs, Chiefs. Yeah. This what the Chiefs are doing to the Dolphins tonight does not impress me at all. I mean, it's impressive in that you're winning a playoff game against another playoff team but that you're destroying a Miami team that's used to playing in 80-degree weather. You're beating them in sub-zero weather. It's a Miami team that can't beat average or above-average teams. They just beat up on they beat up on the little sisters of the poor all the time or the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and uh, the, so I, I'm this. what the Chiefs are doing tonight does not change my opinion of them. They are a flawed um, – they're a flawed team with a, a kind of a dark cloud hanging over them this year. And, yes, I, I am – and I think I think the combination of C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans are way more equipped to go up to Kansas City and win a playoff game than the combination of Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien a couple of years I ago. I agree. Yeah. By the way, 
for the second home game in a row. I went up to the Founders Suite beforehand, talked to Janice McNair. She always has a roster in her notepad. She takes takes uh, notes, and I had them take a picture, she and I, so I could tweet it. And and I met her in 97, and she's as sharp now as she was then. And yeah. she was so excited and so proud of D'Amico and the job that Cal and Hannah are doing running the team for her. But uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to her afterward. But uh, it was great to see her. And I told her, I told her after the Tennessee game, I will will see you. I'll come back and visit with you in the playoffs. She said, well, I hope so. So I told her today, I said, if you get a chance, if you win this game and you get a chance to host another one, I'll come see you again. She said, well, I hope so because it's a good one. (laughs) Well, they're going to need a miracle if that's going to happen. Uh, from Miami Dolphins. That's great. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm super happy for Janice McNair with each of these wins. You know, just to boy, if they could just pull off an upset and finally get to an AFC title game in D'Amico Ryan's first year and CJ Stroud's first year. This is so much fun, John. Like the like this this is this has the makings. You know, we man, we've kind of been here before with the early Deshaun Watson years and whatnot, but boy, this just feels like it's built on a much stronger foundation and a much more likable foundation. Especially where the coaching is better. Yeah, I thought Bobby Slowick called a really good game. Masterful, masterful. And uh, yes. probably had a couple more teams now are going to want to reach out and interview him. And and I have a column coming this week with Kyle Shanahan talking about Bobby being a head coach and D'Amico and how D'Amico had that presence as a former player. He just takes over room. And yep. Bobby, you know, he didn't play, so he doesn't have that presence. He talked to him. And there's no doubt in Kyle Shanahan's mind he's going to be head coach. Just a matter of does he want to do it. Now, or does he want to wait like Miko and wait another year? And we got to figure with CJ, you know, he's not going to have a chance to coach many quarterbacks like CJ. And as far as winning on the road, I believe now, Sean, with Stroud and D'Amico and the way they believe in him, they're capable, capable of beating anybody, mm-hmm. including Baltimore at MT Bank Stadium. Yep, I agree. John, let's get out of here. I want to go celebrate. Um, and uh, we uh, will we'll be doing another one of these on. Monday for the people. That'll be our mailbag episode for the week. So we'll do that on Monday. Um, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com. So we're the schedule tweaks around a little bit this week because, John, you've got Hall of Fame meetings, right? you got to go get Andre Johnson into the Hall of Fame this week. Right? I'm doing everything I can. Yep. Um, so the schedule will be a little twisted around this week, but we're just glad we've got more football to keep talking about, more Houston Texans football as the Texans move on to the divisional round of the playoffs for the fifth time in franchise history, 45 to 14, the final score. John, I enjoyed the game today, and I always enjoy our conversations. John, thanks very much. I look forward to the next one. Yep, Monday. That's when it'll take place. Look forward to that. Big thanks to James Jackson, our producer, for getting all of you this podcast. Probably on Sunday morning you're listening to this. We're just still winding down after the euphoria and the adrenaline of that win today by the Texans over the Browns. So for James and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. We will see all of you uh, this week as the Texans' journey through the postseason continues here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great rest of the weekend, everybody.